Warning, the following podcast may be harmful to your marriage or relationships if used in an attempt to change anyone but yourself. Are you dead, old buddy? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Relationship Rewire, where we talk about what's right and what's wrong with relationships and marriage in our world today. All right, well, I have my new friend, Ted Lowe, with us today, and I'm going to let Ted give, give you, he'll be able to tell you more about what he does. If you haven't heard of Ted, probably some of you have, he's written a couple of books on marriage, Married People. The subtitle of that, I forgot, is what? How Your Church Can Build Marriages That Last. Yeah, How Your Church Can Build Marriages That Last. And then that came out in, oh... 15? 15? Okay. Yeah. And then uh, a couple years later or sometime later, you, yeah. you came out with us. Or well, I'm sorry, what's the full Your title? Best Us. Marriage is easier than you think. Yeah. Marriage is easier than you think. Yes. I love that. <laughs> it really is if if you're doing it halfway decent right? I, I think so i, yeah. I think so. absolutely well I, yeah i want to i want to hear about that book ted to, to tell us what else you got going on what's what uh, what are you excited about right now and what you've been doing yeah absolutely well nancy and i've been married for almost 25 years four kids one in college two in high school and one in elementary school so uh we're kind of riding that ride a little bit, uh, <laughs> which is which is a lot of fun. So that keeps yes. us that keeps us excited. We'll use that word. <laughs> so what am I excited yes. about? I'm excited about that. Different levels of excitement, different types of excitement. But yeah, so one of the things that I'm excited right now, we have a thing called MarriedPeople.org, and we help churches. You go one route, we help churches. You go the other route. We help couples, and um, I think that's for me. It's giving couples like bite-sized wins, or even individuals bite-sized wins, because I know couples are often on different places in terms of who wants to do something. You know, a lot of people, it, you know, we can start off in the marriage space as saying, as a couple, you need to go do fill in the blank. And what I've learned early on was, if I was speaking to a hundred people, and you say, as a couple, you need to go fill in the blank, well, there's probably twenty-five percent of the couples in that room who just felt deflated because they think, well, my spouse is not going to do this. Yeah. Um, so one of the things at from the, least. yeah, at least sometimes there's two, right? Right. Um, so I think for us from the very beginning kind of started this whole thing of let's speak to individuals. Uh, Cause you know, it always takes two to keep a cycle going and oftentimes one can stop it. Uh, and I love putting uh, the power back in that, you know, and from a biblical standpoint, you know, the only time I can see as a couple, you need to go do fill in the blank is during parenting. Uh, I felt like the direction, you know, the directions otherwise are like, Hey, who's responsible for your marriage? You are. So we've loved, we've loved that piece of it. It's focusing on individuals and helping them just, I feel like if people can just do a few things well and make little uh, tweaks, it can change things. And that's not only from our work with couples, that was the story of our marriage where I thought, wow, this is so complicated. It's so confusing. We were even traveling with a lot of marriage guru people and, and we we're struggling. I'm not even asking them. 
And I look back now and going, why didn't I ask them to help, help us? Um, <laughs> like, what was I thinking? But well, I yeah, think we're, it's, it's like we're supposed to instinctively know what to do. And, and if we yeah. don't, then there's something wrong with us. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I think that's a common thinking. Yes. Yeah. I just, yeah. Nobody teaches us, right? Like, you know, my kids come home knowing the most random things. We're in a really amazing school district and they know a lot of stuff. But I think, man, let's pause a little bit relational, but we don't get taught. And so anytime I made a few tweaks in our own marriage that were, you know, that weren't necessarily easy to live out, but they were easy to understand. And so that's kind of been our, been our mission a little bit. How do we help couples with, in a fun way to, to connect? Okay, I want to jump into that, and so that's that's a lot what uh, is in this in the uh, the us book, right? Right. And before we do that, so you, I know one thing you do is you travel around doing uh, like a stand up comedy routine for marriages, basically, right? How would you describe I, that? Yeah, I think it's turned into that a little bit. That totally happened by accident. We were a part of a thing called Date Night Comedy Tour. My wife and I were just hosting it. And there, there was host, and there would be a comedian, and there'd be a speaker that used lots of humor. Uh, and then something happened where they're like, "You got to be like the, you got to be the comedian and uh, the speaker, and you need to do it by Friday, and oh. you have to pull this off." And so I, I'm a speaker that uses humor. I've never been a comedian, but what happened was, is I, I just drew every bit of humor I had out of a four session retreat and put it into one session. Uh, and we've done that probably 50 times. And so it's just been fun over the years to watch it kind of uh, morph what's funny, what's not, what audiences respond to, what are they confused by. And so that's been one of the most enjoyable things I've, I've done. You know, a lot of it's fun. Oh, it's so fun. Like with marriedpeople.org, I love it, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, but with that, it's just become a lot of fun helping couples to laugh. So we've really loved doing those, those shows. That's great. And then you also, uh, you work on curriculum, right? Is that correct? We do. Uh, we create a strategy uh, for churches. To, we say to give couples less content more often and kind of do that in a layered approach where we want to help you have fun events uh, we want to help you with a small group. We want to help you give couples date nights to do on their own. Uh, so that's been our approach is, hey, here's our strategy and here's all the resources each year. We give them a new bundle to help them do that uh, because we know most churches don't have a, uh, a staff that's focused on marriage at all. I mean, right, right. that would be a very small club if those folks tried to get together. And so we're like, wow, we have to create something that a pastor can hand it off to a volunteer couple with. So that's what we've been doing for almost 10 years now. So church leaders have taught us a lot. We've had a lot of fun with that. I love watching what churches are doing. There's a Facebook page, uh, Married People Leaders. And it's, of course, it's a free page and you go on there and it's a closed group, but we always say it's really easy to break the padlock to get in. But we've loved watching churches use the stuff, but make it a million times better. And that's not false humility. They make it a million times better. And it's so fun watching them kind of move from you guys tell us exactly what to do to this thing of, we got this. Yes. Um, I got to, I got to, you presented that a few weeks ago here in San Antonio at the San Antonio marriage initiative, uh, marriage ministry training conference. And I really liked, it was like a, just a real simple, easy to use template that you can, adjust to your church 
but it's got all kinds of ideas and here's things you can do. And, and, and it was very reasonably, I, I thought my, my daughter was there who worked with me and we walked away from that going, man, I can't believe how reasonably priced that is. Yeah, I've been told I'm kind of dumb because uh, we don't <laughs> we don't make enough. We don't even we barely cover our cost to do it. And the organization I work for is called Orange, and they're gracious enough to say, "Hey, you know, we'll keep pouring into churches because we know that's important. We know there's not huge budgets there." So, yeah, it's been it's been so fun watching churches to take it, and I feel like sometimes we can get them down you know, the field, and then they can score the touchdown on their own. And some of them, we get them down the field, just, you know, 20 yards. And for other, we get them, you know, down to almost to the goal line. But however we can help them, we want to help them. And we kind of think our team is kind of, hey, we'll be your, we'll be your marriage ministry team. I mean, I worked on church staffs for, for most of my adult life. And so kind of know church world a little bit. Uh, and it's talking to leaders over these years. They don't have a staff. So we, we go, we'll help you be that staff. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Well, I, and I know you've got a birthday party, your daughter's birthday party to go to here in a bit. And so I know you're all of a sudden, probably at some point, you're just going to have to say, John, I got to go. So, but I don't want to, uh, let's just go ahead and get out of the way then. Where can people find that, what you're talking about? Yeah. So if you go to marriedpeople.org, it kind of has got two doors. You can go one goes towards churches and the other goes toward married couples. So if you're just a married couple and you're like, Hey, I don't want to lead a whole ministry. I just want some tools for, uh, for my relationship. They can go there and there's dates and podcasts and all this fun stuff. Okay, great. And so now that book, that book. Yes. You, you were telling me there's like four, I don't know, nuggets or four, constructs that you want or do you, uh, it, would it be too much to tell us all four in, in this? No, no, it's, you know, I'm doing good on the whole birthday party thing. I don't have to drive far, so we don't, we don't have to rush, but uh, yeah, we call them the core four habits, you know, and it, I struggle with the word habits because I think when people think of the word habits, you think exercise, you're like, ah, I need to do that or, or right. diet. I need to get in good habits. The great thing with marriage habits when they're good is they're actually fun. They're actually, you know, oh, I like that habit. And so the reason where we landed on this whole thing is. So I, sex it would be one of those habits. Yes. It's right, <laughs> it's right at first, right? <laughs> okay. I love that. I like that. Okay. It starts with that. You know, for us, I would speak at our church and I did this for almost 10 years before starting married people. And I'd have to speak four times a year. And I kept hearing myself say over and over and over, hey, this is an easy uh, to live out, but it's easy to understand. So, and there's not a lot of scripture on marriage, quite frankly. And, you know, it's the only time in the Bible where the author just punts, you know, Paul says marriage is a mystery. Like, <laughs> you try to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but there's a few verses and we just applied those few verses and came up with four. Our first one starts with have serious fun. And it's Proverbs 5 where Solomon, I say, is trying to scare the pants on his son, like warning him about adultery <laughs> and look out and, you know, would say things like, you need to listen to me because her feet are going to lead you. Talking about adulterous woman is going to lead you straight to the grave. One time he, he says, you're going to get to the end of your life and go, why didn't I listen to your discernment? And then he pauses and he stops after 14 verses of don't and, and comes up with a do and he says, uh, be intoxicated by the wife of your youth and other selected words that I don't know we can use on the podcast because 
be explicit. But it's this whole idea. I thought, wow, think about that. You know, one of the big bad bears of marriage is adultery. And the thing that, that Solomon's saying, uh, God's saying through Solomon is, is hey, uh, the best way to protect your marriage is to enjoy your marriage. You know, he's saying mm. be intoxicated. So we, I think a lot of us that do what we do, John, I think we lead out with, oh, you know, marriage is just hard you know, and nobody got married for that. Nobody came home and said, mom, I've met this beautiful girl. She's completely passive aggressive. I can't wait till we can get married and work that out. Uh, <laughs> you know, they got together because they like being together and they laughed yeah. and had fun. So we want to encourage couples, you know, fun is not extra. It's essential because the only divorce rate, if I'm reading the stats right, that's going up is empty nesters. And I think because it's the first generation that's kind of coming to the end of this helicopter parenting that we have done, and they don't know each other. They've not invested in the fun part of their relationship. Right. So you brought up sex. I'm a firm believer, you, know, you need to have date nights and you need to get away, but you need to schedule sex. Yes, Some I, people- I would say at least half of the couples that come to our intensives are recently empty nesters. Really? Yes. And it, why do you find the reason for that? Like when they show up? Yeah, they've been investing in their in family and children and not in each other. And, and now all of a sudden here we are and their kids are gone and we don't know what to do with each other. Yeah, and it's sad too. And it's, it's usually two really good people too. Right, right. They don't have any ill intent. They don't have a bad heart. I say they don't have a bad heart. They just have bad habits. Mm-hmm. And so we'll say, gosh, you know, extra fun is not you know it's not extra it's essential and you know the sex part of it i say schedule sex and people say oh it takes away the spontaneity and i was like i'd rather be sexually active than spontaneous you know and part of that is scheduling and doesn't mean the spontaneous stuff can't happen but it's it's date it's making time it's putting it on the calendar you know people say we're too busy with the kids well kids need to see you having uh, sex <laughs> Man, that's funny. That was a left turn I wasn't expecting. <laughs> that that, that of, sounded like where you were going. <laughs> I, I, I'm a firm believer in locking the door. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, but it is, they do. They need to not see you having sex, uh, but they do need to see you going out on dates. Like, what, right, what right. The evidence is overwhelming. Reputable and proven marriage intensives have a far higher success rate than counseling or therapy for marriages that are struggling or even failing. I myself am a counselor. I earned my master's degree in marriage and family therapy and I see multiple couples in my office on a weekly basis. But unless it's premarital counseling, I don't work with a couple until after they have been through a proven intensive. I've now led more than 126 such intensives over the past 15 years. The University of Washington found that only 17% of couples in crisis who start with counseling will still be married just two years later. However, two separate studies have shown that at least 72% of the couples who have attended an intensive that I conducted are still married. You can't find a better choice for turning your marriage around than our intensive Love Reboot. Come join the thousands who have attended a Love Reboot and are now experiencing a thriving, vibrant marriage. You can find us on the web at growinglovenetwork.org.
That's growinglovenetwork.org. You know, I was talking to my daughter the other day and she was asking me questions about, uh, I looked at her and I said, we just adopted a nine-year-old and I said, you know, and she's still processing what that means to Mm -hmm. basically quote unquote belong to someone else. And that's gotta be weird for her. And so I say, you know, you're one of my favorites. Like I'm trying to, and she goes, who else is one of your favorites? And I'll, you know, your brother and sister, they're one of my favorites. And I said, but she goes, uh, I said, but mom, mom's my favorite favorite. She's more favorite than all of us. Yeah, she is. You're one of my favorites, but she's the favorite. Uh, <laughs> and I think that actually is, it feels good for a kid to know that. Oh, yes solid that is so yeah uh the first one is like just just have fun and even when you're having hard times like we were going through some really tough stuff with one of our kids and it was scary I mean it was rough and I surprised her with uh we went to the 30th anniversary of dirty dancing because I knew that would make her very very happy so even (laughs) that like I needed to see joy in her face I needed to see her smile again and I said let's just take a break from all the serious stuff um let's go do this and I think people think if they've got an issue on the table they don't have a marriage and that they can't have fun like how can we go date if we if we're frustrated about this thing and I always say take a vacation from that take a take a pause from that Mm -hmm. because we're always telling people you got to talk out all your issues well you're not going to understand each other completely until heaven so There's it's always going to be issues. Yeah. And it's if you're way. waiting for to jump in and enjoy your marriage until you get everything straightened out, then, then it ain't going to happen. Yeah. hundred percent. So we're just go have fun. That's part of it. I like that. Second one for us is the idea of loving God first. Like I know when people say, where does God fit into marriage and what does that look like? I, I love it when, I hear people say, you know, couples need to pray together. I love it when they send do devotions together. And that's great. But again, we've got those folks that that's not going to happen. And if I had to pick one thing for couples to do when it comes to God is them individually spending time with Jesus, because it just postures us to love our spouse in a way we can't love them on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, instead of us getting in there working on the issues, I'm saying what happened. I'm a better husband when I take time with, with God. I just am. It just, you yes. know. The fruits of the spirit describe a pretty great spouse. Um, right. So that's been like, what are you doing individually? So that, cause I think we expect our spouse to do things that they just can't do. I mean, especially we're living so isolated now we expect them, you know, as Dr. Sue Johnson says, we expect from one person, what people used to get from an entire village emotionally. Right. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, we bought into the classic Jerry Maguire, you complete me. And two broken people got together. We'd never meant to complete anybody. It's too much pressure for our spouse. And so if we can go with them with, you know, expectations that aren't God sized expectations, and that can only help happen when we're leaning on him to be who he is instead of expecting them to be him. If that makes right. sense. Oh yeah. No. I, yeah. The whole idea of the Jerry Maguire thing, it's like if we're bringing two incomplete people to try to make a whole, it's like bringing two people with two different diseases together hoping they'll make each other better. Really all they're going to do is make each other sicker. If, That's, if they're depending on each other for wholeness. Yeah. Do you find that when you're working with couples, if they kind of think that their spouse has that thing, they're just not giving it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Just the completeness all, um, all the time. Yeah. The, the last two, and I'll just 
Last one is respect and love. And the uh, last one is practice your promise. Respect and love piece. I love love and respect. I love what Emerson did with that book. It just was phenomenal. For us, we've put respect first because Ephesians 21 says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So it starts with mutual respect. Right. Um, both men and women want respect. It's just the guy's core need is respect. If I'm reading this correctly or studying this correctly, both men and women will be respected, but kind of our core need is to be respected. I told Nancy one time, I said, do you realize I'd rather you respect me than love me, right? And she goes, okay. And I was like, does that make sense? And she goes, not even a little. Uh, <laughs> but for me, and what I found with most men is it really resonates with that. And then when you can get that right, we get that cycle going of love and respect, of course, starting with mutual respect for both, but unconditional respect, unconditional love. It's just this great cycle that there's this interplay with it. That's just really powerful. And that's when I think we can love that idea of one person being able to do something uh, about this, that I can interject respect uh, and I can interject love. If that makes sense. Oh yes. I want to piggyback on that if I can. Oh, please. And this is mostly to husbands, but I think there's wives that do it too. Maybe Aretha Franklin is demanding respect. Well, she's not anymore, but uh, that was an attempt at humor, but yeah, that was too soon. Too soon. (laughs) No. No. Oh, I loved her music. Miss her, but okay. Um, No, but husbands, if you're, if you're demanding respect from your wife, what you're going to get is not respect. So my, my experience is the more that we demand respect, the less we get it. hundred percent. Yeah. And I don't want it that way. Right. I don't, right, right. that's just fear. Right. I don't know. Right. What is that? When, when I'm demanding respect and I get it, I don't get it. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It feels, it feels weird. You get appeasement. You get, uh, yeah. Yeah. What, yeah what, acting what, out of what, fear. What, what it, but it's not, it's not respect. Nope, it's not at all. No. My wife, speaking of wives, mine's in there uh, running the vacuum, and I'm going to text her now and tell her I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I can't hear it. So there's some real life stuff for you right there. So if you hear vacuum listeners, you'll know. And that's, that's a, that makes a great Christmas present for your wife, too, now that we're in the holiday spirit here, right? Oh, yeah, vacuum cleaners. That and Wives love those, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like giving them like a exercise bike. <laughs> they love it when they get gifts of self-improvement. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Let's go with that. No. And the final one, maybe it's just all that we got practice what you promise. I mean, maybe there's something transitional about this vacuum cleaner in the background is, you know, we spend $30,000 now on average for weddings. We spent $72 billion in the country last year on weddings. And yeah. So it's not about the big day. It's about the everyday. And it's these little things that we promised them. You know, I think we forget we promised our spouse a whole lot of stuff when we got married. I mean, we said in front of their family uh, and their friends in front of a whole people and made it really official and really beautiful. And we went, you can trust us with this person that you adore. And then that person's like, I'm trusting you to take care of my heart. And so to go back there and say, hey, I know you know, we're kind of throwing the whole idea of, you know, vows away, but gosh, they really just, you know, people, well, they're not the same person they were like, of course not. You know, if we're not developing, that doesn't make any sense. It's like saying a 16 year old's not like they were when they were 10. Right. Of course they're not. We continue to grow. And so 
when it's about the everyday and you start thinking about those vows of, you know, rich or poor, sickness and health, better for worse, which just kind of blankets everything. Right. Uh, it's just these things that we promised, you know, and even in the midst of how we talk to each other and treat each other, I think, you know, Nancy's in there vacuuming right now. She doesn't know that I'm doing this right now, but I've got a kind of a choice in the middle of this is to feel panicked and try to please you and everybody listening going in there, knock it off. I'm on a podcast <laughs> or just admit it that there's someone vacuuming in the background and I see her, I can look at her and say fun going, Hey babe, I'm on a podcast. I think, <laughs> uh, I think sometimes we give uh, temporary people in our lives, the best of us and the permanent people, what's right what's left of us, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you'll see people that will be so kind to a stranger and so kind to all other people and people at work. And we could just get home and we could take that safety we have for them. And because we just can, uh, you know, if we, tr sometimes if, you know, if we treat our employer or our coworkers or our employees the wrong way, then our job's going to be impacted. And we go, Oh, there's so much hangs in the balance. If we treat our friends poorly, we don't have any. Right. Uh, and so I think, wow, let, let's, let's give our spouses some of the best. I think they should get more than the best of us because we're all going to be relevant at work one day. You know, we're all going to be, you know, some new guy or lady's going to come in and take our spot, but uh, we'll never be irrelevant at home. Especially I, I love the idea of I'm weird. I love the idea of, uh, of, of being old and it just being Nancy and I, we're like, we're like, we're going to be the best retired people ever <laughs> because we go on vacation. We just want to eat twice a day. Ten <laughs> we yeah. want to sit on the beach, read a book, go for a walk. That's about it. So right. yeah, looking forward to those days. Oh, they're, they're, they're pretty good. Joanne and I are empty nesters now. And so, yeah, it's like my favorite time of the day now is just coming home and, recapping the day with her and what's going on in our lives and sitting and having our warming up something from the store. So, you know, oh, just, yeah. just simple. Well, here's the thing though. I, there was a time in our marriage when what you're talking about that being able to come back and, and just be there for each other. Yeah. It, there was a time when I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I would have, I would, take the long way home from work every day because mm -hmm. I just didn't want to be home with my wife. Mm -hmm. And now I could go into where I got from, how I got from there to here where I am now, but I want to hear, uh, there's a lot of people that I deal with that they don't know how to just enjoy each other's company. Mm -hmm. and there's things in the way. What do you, what would you say are the things that are getting in the way of people being able to, to do that? Yeah. I, think I mean, other than the obvious, you know, time and whatever, but, you know, as far as how they interact, relate to each other. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, there are all the common things. We're moving a million miles an hour. We got all this stuff going on with kids. I think we stop doing the basics. I think we stop being kind. I think we stop being fun. I mean, you think about, you know, I always say when that we were dating each other, we weren't really dating each other. We were dating each other's PR department. You know, you <laughs> yeah. look good. You smell good. You listen like a boss. I mean, you do all these things to make yourself attracted to them uh, to kind of, so you can be with them. And I think sometimes we, we forget that we need to keep being attractive in, in the sense of, well, every sense of the word uh, for them, but mainly of how we treat them and how we laugh and the amount of grace. I mean, if you start thinking about somebody entrusted your whole life to you, 
you know, if they're going to know grace, it's going to be because you're giving it to them. If they're going to know, Hey, a life where I, you know, I made a mistake. They feel like they can make a mistake and it didn't cost them the end of the world. I've watched, I watch couples fight a lot about mistakes that were nobody's heart. You know, somebody, you know, shows up late, lost the keys, spilt the milk, got something confused and they get all frustrated with each other and they would never get frustrated in the same way with somebody else that made a mistake. So I think it's just those moments that, that we need to make a choice and a pause to go, you know what? Yes. We've talked about not spending money for the millionth time and here they come in with five more bags. I, I get that. Or they show up late or there's clothes on the floor, all those kind of things. I think there's just this whole freedom in going, is this petty you know, is this a heart issue or is this a habit issue? Because I think sometimes we treat habits like it's a heart thing. Mm-hmm. You lay in your clothes here all the time. You don't respect me. You, you know, and, and I guess you talk about those kind of things. But I'll tell couples, if, if you're married to somebody that's neat and you're messy, be neat. And if you're neat and you're married to somebody that's messy, be okay with them being messy. I think it's just our, you know, to let stuff go. And we just get so nitpicky, I think, with each other on that kind of stuff. We stop giving grace. We stop laughing. We stop being fun. We stop basically being attractive. And the question is sometimes I have to pause and go, would I want to be married to me? Like I would, I wouldn't be, you know, would I would never want to be married to me. I'm too ugly, but I, in the sense of would <laughs> I want to be married, am I giving her the level of grace that I would want to receive? And here's the great thing with her. Like I am, I was ADHD long before it was cool to me. I mean, I, lose my phone and my keys multiple times a day. I get those little tile things to keep from losing them. I mean, I would hate being married to me because it frustrates me. And she just rolls with it. And she has a master's of accounting degree and she never loses anything. She's Mm -hmm. got a steel trap. I mean, and she just doesn't give me grief about it. And one day I said to her, I go, does that not drive you crazy? And she said, no, because you're so sweet to me. And I think for her, it's like, I'm just going to let that go. And it's easy to be sweet to somebody that lets things go. And it's easy, you know, it's just, it's that cycle. So I know that's a long way to, to answer your question, but I just think these little moments, these choices that we make with each other. And that's the thing we get to choose. Cause I think people forget they get to make a choice. They just feel like, Hey, this is happening to me. Instead of no, no, I can make a choice. I can do something different. Okay, I'm going to make this short and to the point. The podcast you're listening to, Relationship Rewire, is a free service to the public provided by Growing Love Network, a nonprofit organization. That means we don't make a profit. In fact, to be able to do what we do, which is to provide top-notch innovative help for marriages, we rely on donors so that everyone can have access to the help they need, regardless of the ability to pay. Won't you take a moment Hit the pause button and go to growinglovenetwork.org. Click on the donate button and give what you can. If you're not sure about it at this moment, hit pause anyway, just for 15 seconds. And ask yourself if this is what you should do. Go ahead. I'll wait. Hello, this is Max Lucado. You're listening to Relationship Rewire. It sounds like the two of you have gotten to a place where you've 
pretty much given up trying to fix or change each other. Yeah, well, we started, we did not start there either. We did, we got married at 23 and 25 and we did not start there. That's why we're passionate about doing what we do because we so struggled and there would be, we'd be time we'd be nasty to each other. And that went on for years and years and years. I, we had what I called random moments of awful and random moments of awesome. Like we, we, it wasn't, we'd do, we'd love each other and have fun and all these different times. But then they just these times that were awful. So I think what kind of helped get rid of the awful is when we, the way we start kept responding to each other in a different way to just, you know, I can't change her. She can't change me. I mean, we are bipolar opposites in every sense of the word, but it is, I don't know. It's just been so good to make some tweaks and watch that change. And that's yeah. what we believe for other couples. And, you know, if somebody's listening right now and they feel like, well, you're, you guys sound like Mr. Or Mrs. Perfect. It's just the furthest thing from the truth because we just struggled, but I wouldn't wish our marriage on anybody, not because it's perfect, but because we've changed a few things and it's changed everything. That's why I get excited about talking to couples and going, you can do this too. I mean, you can, you know, freak your spouse out and start helping around the house that they've been asking you to do a million times, you know, mm -hmm. remember them, call them during the day, text them during the day. I mean, it's the little things. It really, truly is. And I know that's cliche, but it is the little things. Yes. Yeah. I, I see that in a, a lot of couples that I work with, it seems like they believe. And I, I remember thinking the same way when in, early in my marriage, I thought it was my job as my wife's husband to make her more like Jesus. Yeah. And and then somebody, I can't remember years back said, John, that's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is to lift her up, hold her up, encourage her, yeah. be there for her, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, that you need to be more spiritual like me, honey. <laughs> There's something that just goes wrong with that every time. I can't imagine why, but no, right. I, I get you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. There was something you were also talking about made me think of something earlier about, you know, couples praying together. And, you know, I was I was talking to, with a couple I was working with just the other day, and 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 she said, you know, I, I pray for my husband every day. And I said, great, what do you pray for? Well, I pray for, you know, that God will, he, that God will change his heart and that God will help him quit doing this and start doing that. And I'm like, no, yeah. why don't you turn your, the, your prayers to God about your husband, about what you're thankful for about him? You know, anyway, I got off on that. Well, no, 100% to go thankful, you know, say, go ahead and treat them like they're the person that you want them to be, you right. know, the person you're trying to change them to be because I can't even change myself a lot of times, much less another, another human that thinks completely differently than me, you know? Right. True. So, okay. I'm, I'm trying to try to recap. I was writing down here, core four habits, uh, have fun. Have, yep. Have serious fun. Love and respect. What? I'm going to do them for you and make it. Okay. Yeah, right. I won't make you play the game. How about that? Uh, <laughs> have serious fun. Have serious fun. Love God first, respect and love, and practice your promise. Did you talk about practice your promise? Yeah, I, th I think that's the kind of the bottom line on that one. It's not about the big day. It's about the everyday. And so it's practicing those things that you promise through, throughout a day and the way you talk to each other, the way you text each other, the way you talk about each other in front of your kids, the way you talk about each other in front of other people, the way you serve each other, the way you understand each other, 
the way you sacrifice to each other going, I have no idea why she wants to make the bed every day and put the pillows back on there and no one sees them but us. But if when I make that bed, it, it matters to her. It makes zero sense to me, uh, but it matters to her. And her letting go of me losing my keys, that's a daily like, oh, wow, gift to me. It's just those, just the little things. And I just want to get excited about it. I told couples, if you'll take a pack of post-it notes and say, in the next year, I am going to take this pack of post-it notes and I'm going to affirm and, uh, and thank my spouse. And by the end of the year, I'm going to be rid of these. I think that, that would change a lot of relationships. But it's on a steering wheel. Thank you for going to work every day. I know you hate your job, but thank you for doing it for our family. On the dishwasher, thank you for loading this dishwasher for the millionth time. Mm. It's just kept, you know, right yeah. in the mirror. You're beautiful. Just don't do it with a good lipstick because you'll get in trouble. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's just those little things just go, what a little, you know, our days are so full of have tos to get a little, a little pause and, oh, they thought about me today because I travel a good bit and I'll get little things from her. I miss you. I need you back. You know, I miss my people. And so just the little things. Yeah. Yeah. It, it and, and that's what you're talking about. It's uh, the subtitle. It's, it's, easy, it's easier. No, it's not as hard as you think. Marriage is easier than you think. Yep. Yeah, marriage. Yes. Yes. I, I do. If we're, if we're spending all our time trying to dig ourselves out of a hole, in other words, we're just trying to make up for our bads. Uh, we just don't get any, but we, we can take way less energy doing just the little things that you're talking about every day. Uh-huh. And, and we start building, building something as opposed to always just trying to keep our head above ground. Yeah. That's, but I don't think it's supposed to be like that. And I think people have been convinced that marriage is that, that right. this all in chain is this, you know, people are questioning it. Is it valuable anymore? I think it's awesome. I mean, I think it should be, I mean, when you talk to single folks who would give anything to be married, they would give anything. Are you talk? you know, when you work with a couple where one of the spouses is sick and, you know, I'm working with a couple right now where the ladies, you know, she's terminal and he Oh my gosh, the way he loves her because uh, he's got perspective and, I, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to lean in to learn from their perspective, you know, that we have what a lot of people are, are clinging to or never had to begin with. It's a gift. It's, it's grateful. It's not, it's not always easy to live out, but wow, you know, it, it really is the little things. Yes. I, well, that's one of the main things I had with my clients that I see like on a weekly basis. I have most of them. I have them journaling of what, you know, something, at least one thing every day that they're thankful for their spouse for, because they, they've picked, they picked out the, maybe it's a whole list of things that they keep adding to, but they focus on the things they don't like about them and totally changes their perspective when they're focused on those things, as opposed to um, just doing little things that show gratitude and appreciation every day. It doesn't just make that other person feel that your spouse feel better. Mm. It makes you think differently about them. Makes you feel better about them. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And you know, sometimes people, I don't know anything. I'm like, uh, did they go to work? Let's start there. Right. Back. But it is you watch when you start getting in that rhythm of trying to find good things because we can get in the habit of finding the bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I think we can get in the habit of finding the good, but it's, you're just priming the pump for that. And that's a, see, and you go, that's not rocket science, right? That's a little notebook and that's 10 minutes. Right. That tops. Radically matters. Yeah, it tops. Right. That radically matters. What is it? Was it Gary? I think it was Gary, uh, Gary Smalley who would write about his wife, Norma. He had a little book that he kept writing about her and he's right. They start having tension. He'd go in there and read his little book. And then he'd come <laughs> oh, how powerful that, oh. that was, he was like a sage, um, for a lot of us in the weird space. So, Oh yeah. I, I got a, I don't know if you had time. I got a quick story on something. Do it. What, exactly what you're talking about. So I had a client that came to me, uh, some years back, but he, his wife had died two years before. And, um, he, he came to me because he said, I need help because I'm depressed. And I think I'm depressed because, uh, it's, I'm still grieving her like mm. daily. I'm, I'm breaking down, you know, sobbing several times a day. I have to pull off, off the road sometimes cause I can't see through my tears and, and I don't want to get up in the morning. And, and, but anyway, he, when he found out that she had, this when the doctor told them, he said that she probably has less than a year to live. Well, she lived almost exactly a year from that day. But mm. when he found that out, he said, I was secretly glad because I didn't like her. Oh, wow. And then that, that guilt started eating me up. So about a week later, I went to one of my church leaders and confided in him. I'm like, Hey, this is this guilt. I'm, I'm, I'm glad my wife's going to die. And I don't like that. I'm glad. And so the guy said, well, you go and, and you on the way home today, you go to Walmart and you get a spiral notebook and you write at least every day when you get up, you put the date in there and you write at least one thing that you'll, you're thankful for her about. And so he brought, he actually brought a spiral and a half that he'd filled up over a year. And he brought those to the, one of the sessions with me. And the first entry in the first one was two words, good cook. Good cook. That's all he could come up with. Perfect. And then, and mm. then by the end of the, the second spiral, at the end of her life, some days it was pages long, looked like a love struck poet had written it. Oh, and, and I went, I said, wow, so this cancer really changed her. He goes, no, no, she was always a wonderful lady. I just oh. chosen to f focus on uh, over time on all the things I didn't like about her. And and uh, doing this changed me, made my whole perspective of her and how I thought and felt about her. Oh, wow. Gosh, that's perfect. I mean, there's nothing to be added to that, man. That's, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Well, Ted, I sure appreciate I, 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 this. I feel terrible getting in the last word and you're my guest. No, don't you listen. I, I will live off that story. Listen, <laughs> I will rip that story off in the name of Jesus. Is what <laughs> and that, I mean, that's exactly what we're saying. I mean, you just, it's the perfect illustration of what we're talking about. It's just, it's focusing on the good, you know, just, and the bad habit is him thinking poorly. And the good habit was he got in the habit of thinking differently and it changed everything. It's not as complicated as, as we think. Right. Right. And I, and I love that. And I'll watch, love watching people get hope. And so, we can learn from that guy's journey for sure. Yeah. Well, do you have a parting thought, word of wisdom, nugget? You can, you can do this. That's what I always say. You can, do, you can choose. You're the boss of you. Uh, you can choose how, how you respond and how you treat 
your spouse. You watch yourself doing it in every other area of your life. Just use that same muscle to love your spouse and just, just love them well and don't do it for any motive, but you know that you love them. And it, but if you do want to up your chances of them loving you back, that's the best way to do it. <laughs> right. Right. So, uh, yeah. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yep. That's it. You can do it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, marriedpeople.org. Yep. And what else? Other ways. Oh, the, your podcast. Yeah. We got the, it's called the Married People Podcast, which you're going to be my guest so, uh, on that. It's called the Married People Podcast. It's a lot of fun. I think we've got 100 episodes. And so, Check that out. It's it's a lot of fun. I've got a couple of millennial co-hosts and they're hoots, man. They are a lot of fun. But we have we have so much fun on that podcast. But we've interviewed a lot of great folks and um, people been really responsive to it. So that's great. Okay. Well, I sure appreciate you taking the time to be on here, Ted. And thanks for having me. Oh, it's coming. We're going to get off hiatus. <laughs> hiatus, hiatus. Yeah. We're going to get off our break. And uh, yeah, so I will be calling my friend. I can promise you that. <laughs> no, I know you will. All right. Well, get get after it. Go out there and uh, help some more marriages. You too. All right. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. All right. You bye-bye. too. Bye-bye. Relationship Rewire is produced by Growing Love Network. Growing Love Network exists to revolutionize relationships for lifelong love. You can find us on the web at growinglovenetwork.org. We welcome your feedback on this or any of our episodes. Send us an email to relationshiprewire at gmail.com.